This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Wedged in between Saturday baseball action, Saturday fantasy basketball drafting action, and a whole lot of other action is your week in review on Shake Them Ropes. Hawkins, was that an action-packed... I said action a bunch. That must have been an action-packed introduction. I told you I had something good. It was good. not passing. I nailed it, right? Yeah? 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 Pretty good? Welcome to Shake Them Ropes. We're doing good oh, stuff oh, here. fantasy basketball, huh? Just a gambling junkie. Uh, this is where my mind is at. If, if we're just going to be honest, if we're if we're keeping it real with people, I I I am here, but I am already like four hours ahead in time and thinking about who I'm <laughs> drafting in nine cat roto. Do you have a magic? The <laughs> oh, because there's so yeah, many great things I'm, in the uh, wrestling this week. Yeah, I'm 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 suffering the as I was telling you before we went to air. I'm suffering the criticisms of. Uh, of uh of women's division uh fan twitter because i said oh and our fan base is so last, great uh, fightful yeah, yeah. i said i didn't like the, the wrestling Bailey, community uh, promo and i'll i'll get into why because i because de- if you deconstruct it it's not a very good promo and it's it doesn't do much for her but you know it a lot has happened this week again Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, Eric Bischoff, out as executive director of SmackDown. You really felt him when he was there, and you really feel him now that he's gone. (laughs) My favorite part is in The Observer, where they're saying, uh, talking about the stamina for the job, which was going to be a problem for almost everyone. He was in a company where it's not unusual for Vince McMahon's creative meetings to start hours late and often last until 3 a.m. and sometimes later. Bischoff would work a full day, go out to dinner with his wife, and people would complain after 7 p.m. on certain days. He would be almost impossible to reach. That's me. <laughs> I turn off my phone at 7. No, you know what? I think this only makes me like Eric Bischoff more. I'm the exact same way, dude. I go, I work hard, I get done, and then, yeah, after 7 p.m., I'm not trying to hear from my work world because, let's be real, there's no reason these shows need creative meetings until 3 a.m. when there's no follow-through with any of those creative plans. If they were coming up with super complex Bray Wyatt things that required second location shoots and you were doing like really really complicated things and they were multi-month arcs so we need to have 12 weeks and we need to make sure stuff had continuity and follow through and all of that okay sure but you wanted to bring up drew gulak here i'll drop it right now drew gulak's a perfect example drew gulak is a perfect example i don't know who drew gulak is but drew gulak <laughs> is a perfect example of this um this is a guy who we had done an entire revamp from PowerPoint to. He had been turned into the Philadelphia stretcher, almost kind of like a Dean Malenko type of guy. And then here he is on SmackDown again, and he's back out with the PowerPoint presentation. There was no need for a meeting after midnight to get to this juncture. This is a stupid idea you could have had at three in the afternoon. Saturday Night Live and South Park work on adrenaline because they are both current events related shows wrestling requires planning and the other thing is if if, if, those of you who have been fans for a long time remember dave lagana's podcast dave lagana he of the executive director of the nwa which is a great show by the way if you if you didn't watch nwa power this week yet another solid show but he'd have all these writers on to tell about, talk about Vince, and there are stories where Vince pulls power moves with writers where it's like, I'm going to have a creative meeting at 1 o'clock, and the writers all get there at 1 o'clock, and they're not allowed to leave the room, and Vince doesn't get there until 3, and they're not allowed to go and use the restroom, they're not allowed to move, they're not allowed to go do other things, they're to sit there in the room until Vince gets there to start the meeting. That's not a creative that's not a creative meeting. That's a power move thing. That's a I'm the alpha. Watch me get these people to do what I want to do with them. 
working, de- demanding that your creative team works all hours of the night because you don't know when your genius and inspiration is going to come. And then you just tear up shows a couple hours before airtime because they don't fit what you want to do. This, this is power move stuff. This isn't a professional television company, even though they want to be. No, it's indicative of a lack of accountability for Vince McMahon. He doesn't have to answer to anyone. And these sorts of bullshit behaviors wouldn't be indulged by an employee anywhere else in the organization, right? And so if that is the case, yes, of course, the guy at the top sometimes gets to operate with slightly different rules. But at a certain point, you have to ask if the boss is acting like such an outlier, maybe that's where the problem is. Yeah, Bruce Pritchard will have a job for life. As long as he wants a job there, he's going to have a job. Um, you well, know. so will Kevin Dunn, but, you know, I mean, that, that that doesn't bode well for the actual creative engine because those are guys who can go there and say what Vince wants to hear. SmackDown ratings overnight, down 16%. Uh, next week's going to be a bloodbath between World Series being on Wednesday and Friday and the product just being cold. I mean, it's... You look at what NXT and AEW did this week, it's not that wrestling's a hot product. It just has a fan base, and that fan base is going to ebb and flow here and there. Although I thought NXT did some good things this week in terms of video packages and stuff. but uh, Yeah, I thought NXT was once again a good show, but there is simply not the market for this Wednesday night wrestling war that I think people thought, and that's disappointing. Um, this is, in my opinion, this is going more poorly for both brands um, than I expected. I, especially when AEW popped a really big number that first week, I was like, okay, they're going to hold. I think it's very likely that they're under a million next week. It's not a prime time product. It wrestling is not a primetime product anymore. And I would just like to remind everyone that you and I said you should wait three to four weeks to see where this thing really settles in. Right. Yeah. And and and, and I still agree with that. I, I agree. After baseball will be really when when we see what happens. I think. But at the same time, I'm just thinking it, it's not a cool product. It's not a hip product. It's not a um. It's not a critically acclaimed product. Why? I mean, it's filler on primetime television right now. And if you don't have anything like great characters or great story or even action that you can't see anywhere else, what's the point of it being on primetime, to be honest with you? That's that's the weird thing. That's the thing I'm starting to get a handle of when I talk to people who are lapsed fans. It's well, why do I want to spend three hours watching a wrestling show when there's other TV on and I can, you know, I can go back and see whatever it is that was good on this show because they've also become accustomed to the fact that not all two or three hours is going to be good. There are a number of key things that have changed from the 90s wrestling wars in social media and just the internet, um, substantial things that have changed in the internet that I think make the television product consumer very different one now i can go and quote unquote on demand this whenever i want um in the 1990s you could set up the vcr and you could tape nitro but jeff i'm sure you've done that with a few episodes uh it's a dicey proposition the vcr does not always work right so you still find yourself parked in front of that tv when they're actually running the broadcast because you don't want to miss it um, that is simply just not the case in 2019. Like that would be a, if someone said that, it would be weird. And you know, for example, the other show you mentioned earlier, NWA Power, you can go on YouTube and you can watch it whenever you want. Um, so that is a thing that I think makes wrestling less prime time um, dependent. It, it's less dependent on people being home from work. You can watch it whenever you want, including at work now. Um, and the other thing is, I think the social media. I think there are some people. Um, especially the people on social media, get a serious value added from the social media component. Whereas I think there are other people who maybe get on social media and see, oh, cool, I'm going to see what all these wrestling fans are talking about. Get on there and maybe find the community to be a little bit toxic and a little bit uh, self-consuming. The first company that comes out with a guy who cuts a promo where people go, oh, holy crap, he just said that on live TV. Now I got to watch him fight. That's going to be the group that wins this entire thing. Because that's what's missing. 
is is the I can't wait to see what he says or does next factor of So keeping that real, and, I think AEW probably has the big leg yes. up on WWE. WWE, they they, have, their main product seems like it's completely stuck in like a time warp from 15 years ago. AEW has four or five guys where if you give them a mic, I will probably watch. Tully Blanchard, Jack Evans, John Moxley. Um, there's one other I'm forgetting offhand that that I was listing as a guy that I would I would want to hear cut pro Jericho, of course. You know they have guys who can do it. It's just I don't know. Um, Mike Kanellis has asked for his release from WWE. No way! I am don't laughing. Go. I am I, dude. In July and June, when he and Maria were on Twitter leveraging their contract status. Saying, hey, you don't want to lose us. Oh, we're right here. Hey, hey, guys, we're going to be free agents soon to leverage themselves a better deal. And now Mike's upset he's not being used enough on TV. He wrote this long screed on social media that I can't read because I'm blocked by him. But um, it's do these people not watch every shoot interview and every documentary made for the WWE Network? Because on all of them, on all of them including the Sasha Banks one. When you're unhappy and you're in negotiations, Vince promises you the world. Oh, oh yeah, I know, man. We really blew it last time, but this time, Mike, this time is going to be different. This time, you know what? I'm going to give you a run with the 205, I'm, with the Cruiserweight Championship. We're really going to build it around you. It's part of the negotiation strategy. Get them to sign on the line that is dotted. And then after that, well, we already got you for five years. Screw you. I, I don't understand why people don't understand this. I think it's because Mike did sort of know that. But I think in his mind, if he could just get in the room, things could be different. And then he was going to be able to outsmart the system. This is why I... Oh, that is yeah. That is the mother of all... Of all delusions right there, because you hear that every time. I could be the one who changes things. I could be the one who's different. I could be the one who... Man, I gotta say, I kind of got it when people were talking like that around 2010, 2011, 2012. But 2020 WWE, this is what this show is. Yeah. Yeah. This is what what the product is right now. It's, It's if you're not six foot five... 275 with a nice head of hair and big and a good body. You're you're a, you're a guy who's being fed to those people. That's it. And unless you're a woman, and then you need to be about six foot tall and blonde, <laughs> or at least blonde. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. I I just I read that and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed, especially because after both contracts. Maria got pregnant, which would throw a monkey wrench in every single. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought the WWE handled them with a decent amount of grace, all things considered. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah they I mean, they were bringing no value added to this company. They stood the company up for a ton of money, uh, and then Maria didn't even really do any work while under the contract. And like, let's keep it real: Mike and Maria knew that they were planning on continuing and growing out their family. Like that was a plan. Um, they, they knew what they were doing. And they're not being mistreated, per se. Like, they're not being clowned on TV other than the the angle. I mean, if, if Vince were really... Yeah, he's not Mike making Kanellis. Mike Kanellis get thrown off the stage by Braun Strowman. Right. He's not, he's not trading him with every draft pick back and forth as a player to be named later. As a running joke, he, he's he's trying things with him, even though they're not the most they're they're not the most positive to your self esteem image. He's trying things with him, so it's it was just one of those things where I read that and I howled because it's like, yeah, you tried to leverage all this stuff, you got what you wanted, and now you don't like what you got, and it's just nobody's gonna have sympathy for you, dude. Ah, uh, so the other big news on the main roster this week, uh, Bailey's heel promo. She's the guest on Miz TV. They bring her out, and the first thing out of her mouth is, "I don't owe anybody an explanation," which is which is uh, bad heel promo number. Yeah, one. I think that is textbook. Okay. WWE doesn't actually have 
meaningful thought put behind this character change, which is deeply undermining if you're going to have 3 a.m. meetings to discuss character development. But you're going on a talk show to explain your actions, and the first thing you say is, I don't owe an explanation. All right, then what's the point they of this? They had weeks, skit? Jeff. They, had, they knew that she was going heel for, what, three weeks, oh, four they, weeks now? Chris, Chris, this gets better. Because Miz is clowning her on stage about, oh, what, you, you know, it, it was... Uh, he, he was doing. He was he was saying a bunch of things to get over, and and uh, and and he was getting over and getting the ooh statements from the crowd. And Bailey's just sitting there taking it. So then ba- Bailey's next step is the entire, um, all you people, all you fans, and all you everybody in the back turned their back on me when I needed a hug the most. And it was like you're sitting there with Sasha Banks. You have friends in the locker room. This is not a real promo, so to speak. It's the you people promo, and then the third one that's been used is the Drew uh, McIntyre one, and it's straight out of the words from Vince McMahon, where I realized all these things are opportunity, and the rest of the women's locker room is lazy, and I just went, oh. I think I hate that one the most because it's the. Warped values elevation thing that Vince does. The the WWE mm-hmm. universe trades in weird negative value elevation, like being an opportunist. In WWE world, that is always a value positive thing. It is never like, even when it's done by heels, even though like Edge as a heel was quote unquote the ultimate opportunist or whatever, Vince has always viewed this as being a good thing. It's grabbing the brass ring. Yes. And here's what bothered me so much about it was was just the pure laziness of it, given everything in Bailey's career you could draw upon and the importance of this moment. Because this is this is the bad guy origin story. This is we have the hero tied down and here's why I've been doing what I've been doing this entire time. Here's my villainous monologue. And you need to tell me a story. And you need to tell me a story that personally relates to your actions and your backstory and why you think it's good, even though you're doing bad things. And Bailey, of any woman on this roster, has axes she can grind that she can bring into this thing. She was the last of the horsewomen brought up. When everybody was giving Becky and Charlotte and Sasha accolades, she was still on NXT. They handled mishandled her first title run with Alexa Bliss and made her look absolutely stupid. You could find a way to do something with that without talking about being booked improperly. You can talk about all these things, and all she did were the... or all they gave her they gave her, I'm not blaming her for this, I'm blaming Vince for this, is they gave her the standard, oh, you people don't respect me, or, oh, and, and it was fine, and it was like, you know what, the hugs, I realized they were all empty, but they didn't go that second step. And then she ended the promo well, I thought, but the problem was the ending of the promo didn't match anything she said before. She goes, she went, she went full nihilist, which was, you know what I learned? It's that life sucks and then you die. And I'm like, you can't be a nihilist because you just cut a promo saying that the championship meant so much to you. So Right, and that everything <laughs> that motivated her was the championship. The and like that is the that's the one part of the promo that is actually consistent with the narrative arc that we've been on here. So for her to be yeah, nothing matters. Uh, all, all this stuff is just, you know, I just do these things. Then why do anything? Exactly. Why do you care about the title if, if you don't care like, about it? Like, why why are you even here, then, if nothing actually matters? Yeah. And I guess you could say, oh, that's heel characterization, but those are the types of give them some credit sort of things that I'm willing to do when you've got a better track record narratively. Yeah. And this is just not a company that does that sort of thing. I mean, I like everything about the repackaging. I like the haircut. I like the new music. I I like the darker makeup that they're giving her. But the story, you got to tell me the story here. This is the time where you're, we make I movies. also think she should have just beat up Miz. Yes. I, I <laughs> when, when Miz started clowning her, 
You, you remember? She should have stood up and slapped him across the face, and he should have just been absolutely stunned. And then she should have forearmed him. It's exactly what Becky was was kind of doing when they were trying to turn her heel when she when they caught onto this man thing. Is he? She was getting dressed down too, and she stood up to Miz. Bailey just took it, and you're just like, oh. And she, she has Sasha next to her as well, and it's like, and it it just. It just served as an opening to send out all people in the six-woman, six-pack challenge because we can't build up a number one contender. We have to have all the women out there at once. And the one positive of that is, number one, Nikki Cross is a great babyface. And number two, Dana Brooke has finally caught on to something that she can get a crowd reaction on, which is good because she's improved. But everything about this, I just watched and I went, man, they are half-assing this on their most important show. They need Bailey and the Bailey heel character to work. And I even think, you know, Sasha, if she's still kind of in this holding pattern version of her character, because she's been really lost as supporting cast for Bailey, which is not saying much considering the Bailey characterization is not great. I don't really know what's motivating Sasha at all. You know what's funny, though, is the dichotomy between this fan base of Shake Them Ropes and the Fightful fan base. Because right now, people who listen to Shake Them Ropes are going, oh, here goes Jeff, going on and on about his favorite Bailey again, over and over again. Man, she's she's not as good as you thought. Just let it go. And all the Fightful people are on my ass saying I hate Bailey. So I just I, there's no winning. Remember in this earlier in the show when I was like, "There's some toxic elements to the wrestling fandom online." Just, just keep that in the back <laughs> of your head. What's um? What's our next topic that we are discussing here today? I think we're gonna go to the network shows. Although you and I, it turns out we both forgot two hundred five live was even on. Because we're taping this I, Saturday I, morning, and it's like we they, do things they Friday They feel nights. like they're getting rid of it, right? Yeah. Like, I, every time I'm watching NXT, especially after Leo Rush getting the title handed off and them doing the video package, it looks like so much of the actual plot for this division is going to move through NXT. I don't need a 205 Live or Cruiserweight B-Show. Uh, 205 Live already felt like a B-Show. I don't need an annex for the other guys who don't make it onto NXT. Dude, I uh, I had your line from last week in my head all this week. Uh, they did the impossible. They made a draft boring. And they took so many people from 205 Live and put them, sprinkled them in these raw and SmackDown positions where I think they're just going to be cannon fodder. I am I'm now a little worried about Umberto Carrillo on Raw. Vince is going to have one of his little three-in-the-morning meetings and decide that Umberto Carrillo needs to come out in a mariachi outfit. Oh, God. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far, but yeah. He's not... How, how long until he needs a little something to spice him up, Jeff? Where's the hook on this? So what if he's a good-looking guy? You know what? We should call him Dimples Carrillo. We could we could market these dimples. Let's get over Olay. People like Olay. It's fun. Olay. See, I'm doing it right now. I'm having fun. Olay. Oh, I forgot. Let's do that. We'll give it to him. They've now gone full all in on on Gable being Shorty G. There's definitely been some reticence to embrace the Shorty G framing. Well, I compared it to back in the mid '90s, the uh, the citrus the citrus drink Sunny Delight. Decided it was going to market itself as being cool. Sunny D. And hey, we're Sunny D. We're no longer Sunny D. We're Sunny D. We're cool and hip with the kids now. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like Sunny Delight when they could just market it as orange juice. I just, I'm, I'm, he's part of the uh, Team Hogan versus Team Flair five on five at Crown Jewel this Thursday. Uh, Chris, quick prop bet. What are the odds that WWE gets out of there without some form of international incident? Ooh, um, you know, I was thinking about our conversation from last week when Boa was wrestling, <laughs> and I feel like we are creeping ever closer to that. Um, boy, things are pretty dicey over there right now. I'm going to say they got a 70% chance of getting out of there without an international incident, but I'm going to leave them open for 30%. They do something problematic with Monsoor or something. Uh, they, they go a bridge too far. Maybe there's a request made of them for this show late, I, and they're kind of caught in a predicament, not unlike LeBron James in China. Well, I can we, see that happening. The, for the first time, we had the entire uh, 
De Niro. What's his name? The, the uh, not Ali. The, the uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, the Davari thing. Was, I, I mean, yes, yeah. The Davari thing was about as problematic as you can get because they had him. And they also had uh, his brother out, too, uh, yeah, Muhammad they Hassan. Had, they, they had the Iranian thing. They've had the Sasha Banks uh, advertisement thing for Evolution, where she's in the booty shorts, and they just hated that. Uh, that, that you know, see, watching women with skin riled up a bunch of people in the government. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a call here. Um, I know we joked about the Halloween thing earlier. I think, I think it's going to be the fiend that's problematic. I, I think there's going to be something to do with the fiend in terms of his presentation as satanic or something that somebody in Saudi Arabia is going to balk at, and it's going to throw a monkey wrench in that Falls Count Anywhere match. How about that? This is just... No, I, I, I think that that's actually a reasonable thing to toss out there. That The fiend will use magic. And maybe there's a cultural taboo against magic or any sort of like evil magic being used, um, anything that doesn't elevate God. It's, it's just, you know, they want WWE to be something that fundamentally, I think WWE could provide that sort of show, but it can't provide an entire story arc for that. And that's the other problem is that like they want these Saudi Arabia shows to be one of the biggest shows on the calendar. And so that's forced WWE to like, Bring in a lot of external talent, and then write all these story arcs, and you can't just ignore the women. They still have to be doing something. You can't ignore Bray Wyatt, and you can't also tailor the rest of your product for the United States audience to be in alignment with what Saudi Arabia's mores are. It would be easier to do that, but WWE clearly has no interest in doing that, so yes. they're trying to have it both ways. And that's that's my issue, is that I don't think there's been a lot of care and concern about working with Saudi officials or may have been, I'll have to ask uh, the people that I know there, if, if there's been a lot of, at least for this time, a lot of care and concern, but I, I tend to think overall in general, Vince would look at this like he does the Fox deal where they quote unquote wanted specific things in their product and, he, and going, no, you're buying the WWE. Our product right. is good enough. Right. And yeah, I could see, man, pray for those guys. If you're the praying type, because Something could happen. That I, I they think just about that with see. the China stuff yeah. too. I, I where where Vince doesn't think about. Okay, we got Boa, and I like Boa. I'm like definitely not trying to rag on him, but you got to be mindful of the way you book that guy. Otherwise, the Chinese government might get very upset about it. Yeah, and may not give you access to anybody else. Yeah, and like that may sound far fetched to some people, but we saw just this week to kind of you know pivot back to the NBA stuff real quickly. David Stern comes out, or not David Stern? Uh, who's uh, who's the commissioner? What's his name? But he comes out and he said that the Chinese government reached out to him to fire Daryl Morey Adam as Silver. the G Adam Silver. There we go. He was David Stern's successor. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Silver comes out and he says. Yeah, they they came and contacted me and said fire Daryl Morey. We're we're not going to do that. Okay, that's the NBA though. Vince, I mean, that flex could be coming if he does something that those governments don't like. Well, they've already taken out the talent that's going to be problematic in terms of Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens and the ones that are going to be outspoken about it. Now it's the guys who want the money. so <laughs> Or the rub if you're Mansoor. So, I mean, they do things... I feel kind of bad for that guy because I feel like he is really caught in something that is much bigger than him, and he's actually an okay wrestler. He's not, like, great. I mean, he's not, like, he's in my top ten or anything like that. He's like a superstar because Cesaro's going to make him look like a million bucks. And then yes, they, and yeah. Then, and, and yeah. then they're not going to do jack squat with him over here to, to play upon that. And they actually had the practice match with Cesaro a while back, right? Like, they did that on NXT. Uh, I don't know, but they, they've used Mansoor occasionally on 205 and NXT and NXT UK. And we've all yeah. said he looks pretty good. Yeah, no, he's good. There was that week where he worked as a babyface, and then he worked as a heel yes. on the other show. Yes. And I thought that that was a really nice flex of this guy's chops in the ring. And he's not bad. He's legitimately not bad. He gets it. We're not going to prognosticate on Crown Jewel. It's just too much of a... It, it, oh, it, I don't watch him anyways. You know you know my stance. It, yes. I'm not going to sit up I'm here and get on a soapbox. It. Yeah, I'm but I, I just have unless, no interest in endorsing that. Unless something magnificent is on there, I'm not going to watch it. But 
it's also not in canon. They're just doing a lot of special attraction matches that aren't going to matter to the day week to week television. So it's really just. I, I don't think I'd care about the Tyson Fury Braun Strowman thing, regardless. I like Tyson Fury a lot. I think he carries himself quite well and could do well in professional wrestling. But uh, you know this the way the. They're just wrapping it around Braun saying, get these hands. It doesn't feel right. like there's actual heat right. there. No, I think that there's a way to do this angle, and it's really, really, really fun. But I also think if you were going to do the Tyson Fury-Braun Strowman thing, I'd kind of want it to be slow burning over, like, six months, starting with, like, Braun Strowman at, like, a Tyson Fury fight and then making a snide comment about Tyson Fury afterwards. The Tyson Fury, you know what I mean? Like, build it up Can I so be- that we know... This is where we're going. Can I digress a bit? Because I, again, because I had this thought as I was walking around prepping for the show this morning. That's really what you, you picked upon something. And it's been a theme of yours for the past couple weeks in everything in this draft, in this Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman match in just, you know, interviews in matches. There's no fun. In any of this, there nobody's having fun. Like I was thinking, you know, about old green screen promos and then just vignettes that they would do of people. Like the Mister Perfect vignettes are infamous because they're wonderful. They're they, they they're are fun. they're fun. He's perfect. It's a, like the guy. It's so good. It's like everybody's kind of thinking around, okay, how can we be creative? Oh, wouldn't it be funny if Mr. Perfect threw a football and caught it? Yeah, that's great. Let's do that. It's stupid and it's impossible, but it's funny and it's fun. Let's do that. And everything now is just shareholders and network executives and faces of the company. And it's like you had a world where you were drafting superstars and you couldn't make that fun. You couldn't you couldn't really dive into it and get draft quote unquote draft experts who aren't really experts and really breaking down what each person meant to each television show and having fun with that. I just it's it it's, should be a parody of a draft. Like yes. like but not but a self aware parody of a draft rather than what this was, which was an actual parody of a draft. Bringing in Jim Kramer, Jeff, bringing in Jim Kramer. He's a stock. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, come on, dude. Like, that's not fun. I, I can oh, do impressions make- and make it kind of fun to shred up. But, like, actually watching it and enjoying it, there's no joy in watching any of that crap. Go out and ask the networks what talent wants to be a part of this as opposed to looking like you're holding them at gunpoint and making them talk about certain individuals. Because that's what it felt like to me. Like watching the NFL on Fox guys talk about wrestlers they used to watch. And of course, they, they nobody on the current roster. But they all look like they were at gun. The only ones who really came off well to me were like the NHL people, the people on the minor sports who are like, hey, we're getting some television time. Let's have a ball with this. Let's just do something with it. And it's like, God, I, I if if anything frustrates me. It looks like nobody's having fun out there. It just looks like a job. And wrestling is at its best when it feels loose <sighs> and it feels fun. <laughs> like this this week um, on, on the Twitter machine, a Don Morocco promo from before he was going to have his match with Jimmy Snuka in the steel cage. It's like Don Morocco, it's 83. Vince McMahon is there is young little boop Vince McMahon. And Morocco just goes for two minutes. There's no script. He's not rushing. He's not yelling. He's just doing a promo and it fills the space on your TV screen and it fills the room and it takes you somewhere else for two minutes and then we're back to the ring. And like, man, WWE, this roster's product has just completely lost that. And watching the NWA Power Show, it's got issues, but it is so much closer to the actual wrestling energy. It is so much closer to the actual energy of wrestling than anything that you're getting on world wrestling entertainment right now. Let, let me let me process three things because because you you got into it on the Twitter machine. 
I had to watch a stream of SmackDown Live last night because now that it's on network television, I don't get it live because I'm on the West Coast. So the stream I'm watching, every time they go to a commercial, we'll, we'll put on either a television show or a classic promo. And they showed the classic promo. I don't know if you've ever seen it, and I forgot what federation it's in. I don't think it's world class. I think it might be continental. Of the debut of T. Joe Khan, where you have a guy out there talking about how he was teaching him the martial arts, and T. Joe Khan comes running out of the water, and T. Joe Khan stinks. He's a terrible wrestler. But the promo where this guy was building him up as this mystic force that he was teaching martial arts. It was so hokey and so fun and so great. And then on NWA Power, you can't tell me Colt Cabana and Mr. Anderson weren't having an absolute blast out there, cutting promos and interrupting each other. Yeah, that was was great. Oh, man. It was like... I don't even like Mr. Anderson. Like the last time WWE was truly fun, was that period at NXT where they were they were kind of making it into like an art school or a film school with a wrestling thing in there? You had it was Nakamura had just come in, and Bailey and Sasha were still down there, and they Alexa were doing, Bliss was still down yes. there. There's like a there's a backstage scene where like Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss and Bailey and Sasha all sort of intersected. It actually set the stage for. Four or five different storylines that kind of spiderwebbed off of that one scene. And they're doing things for the web. That's what I want. They're doing things for the web and for social media because they're hungry and they want to get themselves over. And like, and Bailey's doing a rap battle with Peyton Royce, which is the most odd thing you've ever seen. You know, the doing, I mean, the only guys really doing that right now are the former Stokely Hathaway, who is still a lot of fun on Twitter. But it's and people are doing little things on their own, but as a company edict, man, they'd rather not. You still have the Zack Ryder precedent, and whenever you yeah. start thinking, "Oh, I'm going to do something more on social media," just go and talk to Zach over at the food table. Yeah, and talk about action figures on his podcast because he can never get on TV. Yeah, no, I, I get that. All right, enough uh, complaining about the main roster. Uh, we need to go through the TV shows on the network slash NXT, which is on the network, but not on the network. Uh, before we start, neither of us watched 205 Live as we stayed about 10 minutes ago before we got into this digression, because we just forgot it was there. So um, NXT or NXT UK, would you like to start, sir? I guess let's go ahead and do NXT UK. Okay. Um, yeah. So, boy, the Gallus tag team title victory, like, <laughs> that was a bit of a surprise. It was a surprise to see Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews lose the titles this fast. I could not have been more disappointed. I, it felt like, the hey, we're just going to give these guys a hometown win. And then <laughs> it almost felt like Vince came and goes, what are you guys doing? Who's the tag team champs? Those two small guys? Nah, give it to the big guys. And that's what it felt like. I don't, uh, you know, I like Gallus. I don't love Gallus. I like Gallus. I would have liked to have seen a couple of baby faces working from underneath as tag team champs for a little while longer. And the only other match of note on this show is Imperium versus The Hunt. And, like, this was a good match. I liked this match. I loved it. I I did. It wasn't my favorite match of all time. But I just love these two teams. I, I think they work well together. The, the the but at the end of this is I just didn't feel like there was enough on the rest of this show to make this show worth the time. I'll tell you the, the one thing I, I really loved, and I'll, I'll put another thing out there as well that you can tell me I'm an idiot for. I loved Alexander Wolf in this show. I thought he was creepy, conniving. The whole thing with uh, uh, Dragonoff, where he's kind of saying, come with me backstage, just follow me. Just follow me where he's he's kind of being he's he's being the Alexander Wolf in Imperium that I wanted him to be. The Imperium is underappreciated with how well booked they have been despite all of the chaos that has been going on right now across all of the brands. Imperium's booking has been very, very strong. I like that. And let me lay this down on you. The person to beat Shayna Baszler. As much as Rhea Ripley is probably going to be it, and I think she's good, but she's, you know, she's a, 
Zaya Brookside, if you could give her a four-week program in NXT as young, perky, you know, I, I, I have some... You see so much more in her than I do. She is very She's average. Green. She's green, and I get that. But there's but what there's a lot missing in wrestling in terms of young baby faces that young people can get behind. And I just because like by the time they pull the trigger on anybody, they're thirty two and they've been in the business for ten years and we've seen their potential go from, oh, they could be this to well, they're gonna have a job for another five years at least. I, I'm I'm very frustrated by this, Chris. As you can tell by my my wanting Umberto Carrillo to win a big title, by me wanting Zaya Brookside to win a big title. I just, I think you got to strike while the iron's hot, and they never do. I, I'm, I'm frustrated by this in the industry. What you just said reminded me that the Intercontinental Champion was not drafted in the first round of the draft. <laughs> well, they had him in a Teddy Long, let me holla at you, player tag team match last night um otherwise Ilya Dragunov beats Saxon Huxley as it should be yeah um and then otherwise Devlin setting up his match with Mastiff I think Devlin has to beat Mastiff I think that's where oh, this yeah. is going has to. yeah especially yeah, after that because I, I liked the layout of that I did I liked uh Dave taking the micro just punching Devlin <laughs> that was great it was simple it was to the point he didn't sit there and let let Devlin like run him down on the microphone. He didn't just stand there like a geek getting insulted. He just punched him in the face. But yeah, Dave Mastiff is going to be here to make Jordan Devlin a top tier heel. I think this is a really interesting and strong booking choice. I like this move. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Um, And then that basically finishes out NXT UK. It's kind of, especially with Imperium having, Plot notes now happening over on NXT US. Uh, you really only go over NXT UK, at least if you're me, to see what's up with the hunt and what's up with Imperium. Um, those are the only two draws. Wolfgang's tweet with the celebration by Gallus, I thought was cool. If, if okay, well, Wolfgang, I, I, Gallus, they're like not a good faction, but all of the guys in it are actually good. So now I'm starting to go, what if they are a good faction, Jeff? The dynamic of Gallus is one of the more interesting things to play with as we as we. What if this week. is good? What if we've all been wrong about this and this is actually I, good? I haven't been criticizing Gallus as hard as other people, as hard as you and Joe Lanza. Yeah, and like a lot of people, but you actually go stroke by stroke. They've had good cutscenes. There's that great yes. one at the coffee bar. Yes. Um, like they coffee have a dynamic coffee. Yeah, I love. That. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have Wolfgang, who they have to control. Mark's the more stable of the two brothers. Joe's more of the show. But like, there's interesting power dynamics that are happening with them. The theme song sucks, except you like it. But I think the theme song sucks. I'm not changing my mind on that. But what if they're good? I, you know what I want now? I want them to make Wolfgang an adopted coffee brother. <laughs> oh, oh that, 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 hot off the heels of them winning the titles. Like you, they, they make Wolfie part of the family. You're part of the family now, Wolfie. Exactly. Do it. Do it. It'd be, uh, It'd be so stupid and so awesome. Like, and he starts going by Wolfgang Coffee. Because this dynamic screams that they're eventually going to break up because Wolfgang's not family. But in order to do that, make it even worse. Make him actually part of the family. He has to be part of the family. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Th- that is actually that would be even better. Is that they realize <laughs> it's not that like he realized it's a mistake. It's that they realize they it's a mistake. It was a mistake that we brought this psycho into our family now. Then just have to do something <laughs> at, like Christmas dinner. <laughs> So, anyways, I'm coming around on Gallus. I, okay. I will give that, and, and I, I think, I, I think it's better that they have the tag team titles than uh, South Wales uh, Social, Social Club, Club. I believe. Yeah, right. We don't even remember their name. We, you were calling them subculture. Like we, we kind of I, remember I, I, what I, consonants no, fit is, in I think, there. I think it is subculture, but I just no. I, I think it's Social Club. I think oh, it's Social it? Club. I thought on yeah. the jackets it said subculture, but that's me. But um, no, I think they, it's they, Social but Club. But they never labeled themselves on TV. That was just on social media. So let's kick it over to NXT US. So Tommaso Ciampa defeats Angel Garza. I thought this was fun. I love Angel Garza. I have really come around on him. I love not the, come around, but I'm a big fan. I like the consistency of of his entire act. I love that again, again. I love that he he gets kissed by women, 
and he tells guys of creepy dudes who are wrestling fans to get away from him. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the taking off of the pants every week. Someone has to say something to Beth Phoenix about it. I I, I kind of dig that. It's now become a running joke I, that I like Beth Phoenix about. <laughs> Here's the thing I didn't like, though. I did not like Tommaso going crazy on the Mexico flag stuff. I think that was probably a bad call. Yeah, I would I would agree. Uh, acting like it was a person, not exactly cool. Uh, nice short match. I just... Again, my my long-term booking philosophy says this is fine. My short-term is always, well, isn't there somebody lower than Garza you could sacrifice to Ciampa? Yeah, I saw no point in Garza, and if anything, it cuts him down and makes him more of a goober, and the Mexico flag stuff, did not like that. I The, the more I think about that now, and it kind of re-pops into my head. It was an unnecessary beat. I think the goal is to make Tommaso Ciampa a heel, and they wanted to reestablish him as a heel, but have him beat a heel. Like, they wanted him, they knew he was going to get a babyface pop on his return, but they wanted to make sure people viewed him as not a good guy coming out of this, but... And I don't think they were trying to get into like xenophobia or anything nationalistic. And I definitely don't think this is anything to do with Tommaso personally. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I bad call, bad call with that spot. That was not a good spot. They showed the video uh, with uh, the undisputed era beating up Velveteen Dream, or Velveteen Dream was already beaten. I believe it's because Dream has an injury, so he has to be taken out of the story for a while. I feel like any time he gets beaten up, we need to have like a sad Wawa guitar. Like, <laughs> wah, wah. like. Uh, what was next? Uh, then after that, we had Imperium popping up on this show, having a scrappy little match with Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. If you were into Imperium mid-card tag team matches against quality hands, this is your week. That, this is the perfect match for the Imperium team. And, oh, yeah. And, and the also, Hunt on the other show. Like, perfect matches for them. Birch and Lorkin are just, I mean, scrappy is the word for them. Every time, just grizzled, bald, ugly men coming out there and fighting. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Love it. Loved everything about this match. I would love a Danny Birch and Oni Lorkin versus the Hunt match. Just as like an opener. I thought they had that. I thought they had that on NXT UK, but uh, Did they? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I'll, I'll I don't it, remember. I'll look it up as we yeah, talk. yeah, yeah. They certainly, it would be good if they, especially since NXT UK is always kind of looking for content. This would be a nice little placeholder match. You give me 15 minutes of that. I don't need it to go anywhere. You have it just be like, I don't know, a number one contenders match for fight, facing Gallus next week. Give me that match and then have them lose subsequently to Gallus in the following week. I'm fine with that. I think they may have had a dark match. I, I'm okay. Uh, okay. I'm I'm not seeing it pop up, but I thought they had fought each other. Of course, they fought Imperium, et cetera, et cetera. But sure. uh, yeah, okay. Io Shirai defeats Caden Carter. I continue to be confused with the Caden Carter semi push that they have been doing. Uh this was uh, I, I I think it was Brian Alvarez over at Figure Four who described this as the last five minutes of an eight minute match. And they just they just went to to the end to do all the high spots. I I was fine with this. I don't I don't understand beating Caden Carter two weeks in a row, where you're trying to reintroduce her, because building her will then be make it more difficult. I will go further. I don't get having Caden Carter in the ring with someone who is even better at gymnastics than her, because Caden Carter is a very skilled gymnast and she's very limber. Io Shirai is twice that. Yes, I, I would agree. And and that outshined Caden Carter. And what you need to be doing is getting over all of that um, and then doing some other things to differentiate her from Io Shirai to maybe build up to this moment. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that this is a very odd choice. Did you like Io's promo? <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. a no. That's a no. no. And that's fine. I yeah. It, it was weird the way because because uh, Rhea Ripley comes out and I I just the directions they're giving for EO is always to look sad before you get. It's, they're 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 trying to make her I bipolar. Don't, yes, 
Yeah, I they guess that is the character, right? But it's it's a confusing character, it and is. the crowd is not following it, is I think the more important thing here. It's like, just make her angry or crazy or whatever, but the moody part that begins it, it, it always, it's like, it makes you feel kind of creepy watching it. It's like, she always looks like she has, she has, she has a perfect... She seems unwell. Yes, like, she, she has yeah. a perfect hangdog look of being actually sad. And you're just like, oh, I should not be watching this or, or finding this fun. And it, yeah, it's, it puts a certain layer of icky on it that I don't like. Yes. And again, I think the most important part here is that the crowd is not following this character. So you'd be better off with her as just a vicious lunatic. Yeah. Uh, if Io Shirai was coming out and frankly, just like bashing Caden Carter's head into the ground. I think that that's just a much more coherent character and she should just hate Rhea Ripley and want to rip her to bits. This would also offset the size differential that she yeah. will sometimes encounter as a heel, whereas the sad hangdog kind of posturing and stuff only further plays up the size differential in a way that I don't think helps. Agreed. So after this... We had Boa. He cuts a promo on Killian Dane. Um, that's gonna go well for him later. On. I man, I like we we knew this was gonna happen. This is yet another thing where I think you need Boa to come out, have won a victory against somebody this week to build up to the match against Killian Dane next week. What needed to happen this week is Boa needed to like knock out some goober with one yeah. of his kicks. They needed to get over the idea that Boa has serious striking abilities and that when Dane's in the ring the week after this week, he's got to keep up with these kicks because if these kicks, if he gets hit with one of them, it could be lights out, loser. Yeah, I no, I, I would agree with that. I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a weird thing because their view is, well, as long as he looks strong in a performance and still loses, he's going to be okay. It's like, no, we just need to believe that he's actually going to win a match. Yeah, what specifically in his moveset did you get over in that match? His toughness? It's not, it's not a thing. His height? Um, yeah, he's... he is tall. <laughs> I think somebody, they said that that Killian was like 6'5". I'm like, no, don't do that because I'm looking at Boa, who's a good three or four inches taller. I'm like, there's no way he's 6'8". Killian Dane is not 6'5". Starting five. small forward of the Houston Rockets, My Boa. God. How tall is Killian Dane? Let's take a look. Killian Dane is 6'4". Well, okay. I guess Boa Interesting. is that tall. Is that 6'4 in wrestling height, though? No, that's that's. that's I think that's actual 6'4". Wow. Okay, again, he's again, much they, bigger than I give him credit for. Uh, again, when you have so many giants, nobody's a giant. 6'4 used to be a giant in wrestling. Now it's just a tall guy. Next, we had Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. Um, this is a feud that I am done with now. And so when Roderick Strong came in and interrupted this match, I was actually relieved because these guys are great workers. They work great together. We have seen everything in NXT that we saw three, four years ago. And I, I have just hit a saturation point with those two. I thought the booking was dumb, and I'll I'll tell you why. If if Roddy Strong is trying to protect his title from the two guys in there, and the winner is going to get a title shot, then have somebody else from the Undisputed Era go in there and interfere, so that you have the culpable deniability that it wasn't Roddy trying to be a coward and avoid these two. Because of course, everybody has watched enough wrestling to know if the title holder interrupts a match, it's going to get turned into a three-way. <laughs> you know, I, I, I watched it, I went... Oh, there's a number of issues, too. Technically, the first person Roddy attacks... Yes. ...wins the match. Yes. So and that's that the other problem either. here. That didn't happen no. either. It was, yeah. No, so if, you, I, I mean, if you're following, quote, the rules of professional wrestling, which I know in WWE don't mean a whole lot, even though they just put out a rule book that you can buy, uh, I, I think... None of this really made a ton of booking sense, but they just needed to get to this three-way match. And I, the Keith Lee and Dominic Djokovic thing doesn't feel like it had any meaning. This was just a feud that never really went anywhere. Yeah, it, it was like, we're going to put these two big guys in there. They're going to do impressive power moves. 
and they, they were impressive. Don't get me wrong. I really liked uh, Did we get either one of these guys more over? No. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think the first match got them both more over. And maybe you, know, you could even argue the second match. The first match when people were like, let them fight, let them fight, let them fight. I think that, you know, that was when these guys got the most value added from this feud. And every subsequent match, people have been like, wow, it's really impressive they can do that. Wow, can, wow, he's doing that again. Wow, I can't believe he's doing that again. Wow, these guys throw each other around the ring and they jump over the ropes and stuff. And they're doing it just like last match. Uh, it, there's a little, you know, nothing new under the sun effect that happens with every great wrestler when you go out and have the same match over and over again. I liked the two video vignettes for Gargano and um, Bianca Belair. I liked that they mixed it up a bit. I, I think that's a positive for this show as opposed to just match, 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 match. I think they're getting it. I think they're getting that we need to build some of these personalities a little bit more. This show, NXT US, is making steady improvements to the formatting. And, like, I'm balanced. The last three weeks of the show, the ratings don't necessarily reflect this. The last three weeks of the show have been very watchable. Is it main um, event time, or did I... No, we still got <laughs> Matt Riddle versus uh. Bronson Reed, another one of these... Looks really good in defeat thing. And, and, I mean, Bronson Reed's a good pick for this. And I, I thought, you know, fine match. Shouldn't have beaten Matt Riddle. Didn't beat Matt Riddle. I, I like them being cool. I like the idea of Matt Riddle being a respectful baby face. It always opens him up to have a tag team with whoever. You know, Riddle and Bronson Reed. Could that be a little short-term tag team thing? Sure, if they needed it to be. Uh, you know, I, I thought this was fine. I thought it did more for Bronson Reed than the BOA match with Killian Dane. All I mean, I may have misread it. It looked like to me Riddle was just kind of going through motions. It really didn't look like he had any. Like, okay, I'll do this. I'll do this move. I'll do this move, and I'll get the pin, and then we'll do the the bro fist punch. That was the time yeah. he looked. In, that was the only time he looked engaged. Was the post match. But you know, I might be wrong on that. No, I, I don't. I, I, it's not a memorable match. Tegan Knox versus Tynera Conti. <laughs> Tynera Conti is adorable. I, it, she's, adorable. she's adorable and, and criminally misused in this company. She, like, how do you have someone with this level of talent? And you're like, we're just going to make her a jobber, and we're going to have her job out all the time. We're not even going to give her any offense or build her up. I mean, Boa, let's do things with Boa, but this Tynera, I don't really see anything in her. Don't get it. She's, Don't get it. She's possibly my favorite delusional heel on this roster because she's so she buys into her delusion and nobody else does. She she's coming out there. She's the she's great. She's doing the Eddie Guerrero dance. She's shaking. She has her black belt. I'm the toughest woman here. I'm going to do a few judo throws and then she just gets destroyed. And I love it. You know, I, I wish they had more to do with her. And I wish she was improving a little bit more than she is. Right now, she's fine where she is. She's in the she's in the Aaliyah from two years ago spot is where she's at. And she needs to either do something or improve a whole lot more to go any better. Tegan Knox, I, I'm not all in on her. I know a lot of people are. I know I'm more into her this week than... Last week, but I am not all in. And, you know, she's, to stay on Tainara, I'd be more interested in Tainara getting built to a match with Shayna Baszler. Let's see some judo throws. Let's see some submissions. Let's see some, like, actual fighting moves. Aesthetically, she's the baby face I'd want to build around. But in terms of post-operative knees and moving around and stuff like that, I, I, just, I don't think she's as good as she was when she when she left. And I think she's having problems with those knee braces. And it's it's hard for me to watch her kick people in the face with the knee braces. It is. I'm I'm sorry. Someone should bring it up at some point. I think that maybe she should have changed her moveset, even though, you know, the shiniest wizard thing is catchy and, and all that other stuff. But it's not catchy enough to justify catching a knee brace to the face. Correct. And 
But I did like this post-match thing with her and uh, Dakota Kai. You know why? Because they did the staging in front of the ring like they were going to do a post-match right outside of the ring interview, which made NXT feel more like a studio wrestling show. And I think... I think that what NXT has the ability to do, I, I don't think they're going to do this, but I think they have the ability to, with full sale and then taking this thing on the road, is do a little bit of the studio wrestling vibe thing when they're in full sale and make it feel more like NWA power or like an old school studio wrestling show and make it feel more like Raw or AEW when they take it out on the road. I'd even say they can make it feel like NWA power in, the, in full sale and then make it feel like worldwide wrestling when they take it on the road you know where they had the uh you know they had the kind of the three-sided cardboard you know green or red thing with the logo on it and guys would be doing promos there kind of like what they have uh um uh the i forgot the interviewer's name on nwa right now but kind of like what they have him doing in in the full sale studio but they always had that out on the road as well like when they'd go to dorton arena or something like that to tape They'd have, you know, Flair and Tully and everybody else interviewing that part. You know, just, just just have a nice area as opposed to them cutting their own promos. Use Kathy Kelly a little bit more because she's great. Yeah, just just keep keep doing what you're doing and keep improving upon it. Yeah, I, I agree. Then we got to our main event, which was Damian Priest versus Pete Dunne. <laughs> what did you think about this match, Jeff? I give you the floor. Commentary. On this match, Beth Phoenix said these words, the incandescent presence yes! of <laughs> Damian Priest. There was another thing she said, too, though. Like, there are so many stupid lines that they have written for Damian Priest. Like, Michael Cole had a line like this during SmackDown last night. It was during that tag match. And I think Corey Gray says, what are we seeing here? And they're doing the... uh Quentin Jackson uh, powerbomb out of an armbar spot that has become popular. And he said something like, it's it's dog strength from the backyard or something like that. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> you've just made this suck. You know, and that's how I felt. Yeah, that's how I felt when I heard Beth say that. I'm just like, nobody says that for real. She has that in front of her and she's supposed to fit it in somewhere. As a match, I liked it. I didn't love it. I, I it's I didn't think it showcased enough of what Damian Priest can do, and I almost got him punishment there. But as a as a Pete Dunn match where he's breaking people's fingers and wearing down a big guy, sure. And I liked the fact that they gave Damian Priest a strong a, a win here. Although, you know, the nut shot thing, I'll go, I was going to say strong win, but then I remembered the nut shot. Um, You know, at least he didn't cheat throughout the match. And that's kind of the strength of the Damian Priest character is he's good enough not to cheat. And he always has a tough, well-fought battle against a guy until the moment he does cheat, as opposed to, say, a lot of the heels where they're cheating at every available opportunity because they're not as talented. It was okay. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't great. Yeah. I don't even hate the idea of the low blow spot. I think that Damien Priest's version of a low blow needs to be a little more subtle. Like, after he does it, he almost needs to be, like, looking around to see if anyone else saw it. Because the goal needs to be, he doesn't want anyone to see it, even though he's doing it in the middle of the ring in front of the live audience. He thinks he's so clever that he can get away with it. My first thought was somebody watched that Tim Storm versus Nick Aldis match. Although although Damian Priest isn't the babyface like Tim Storm was. But there's been a lot of that going there's been a lot of other programs like that that the Rio Matrix spot on AEW. They did that during the Becky Charlotte match and they did that during the uh uh Caden Cross Io Shirai match. Yeah, I'm just like, right, I'm right. Like, they've now done this three times this week. They need to cut that crap out. Um, yeah, I, the I wonder shot, if that's deliberative. I wonder if the idea is to take moves like that and make them not unique to any one show. I, I, I wonder that as well. What else do we have? Is there anything else? Is that it? I think it? that's it. I think we got, uh, 
I think we got to they, they, they didn't make any more wrestling this week? Oh, man. <laughs> you can follow me at crab game 13 you can follow chris at chris novembrino you can follow the show at shake them ropes chris plug your projects don't worry about the government is available over at don'tworry.tv and on itunes and stitcher the world's greatest politics podcast and then also there's the all in the family podcast which you can find at all in the family podcast.com see you next week i barely have a voice 